for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is the update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to David Lombardi, who covers the San Francisco 49ers, about the upcoming final week three preseason game against the Las Vegas Raiders at Levi Stadium on Sunday. Also, we can talk to David about the rookies making an impact immediately on this roster. Hufanga, Jalen Moore looking to slot in on the offensive line. Also, we can talk about the pending quarterback battle between Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. All things we'll talk about with David Lombardi, who joins me next. Today is Wednesday, August 25th. It's always a pleasure when we can talk 49er football with David Lombardi, at Lombardi himself on Twitter. He, of course, covers the 49ers for The Athletic. David, good to have you back on the podcast, man. How are you? I'm doing great. We're counting down the days, and thankfully it's dress rehearsal week, so we'll feel a little bit more like the regular season. Raiders are going to be in town, so that definitely feels like the regular season because they haven't played in a preseason game against the Niners in years, ever since all that violence stopped the preseason game. So it's getting more and more real, and, and we're counting down the days toward when these games count. It's funny to call it dress rehearsal week because I've been kind of trying to figure that out. Like, how were teams going to navigate and manage this three-game preseason schedule? Some teams, like the Rams, are like, yeah, we're not playing starters at all. The Raiders have had Nate Peterman take all the snaps in their couple of preseason games. What do you make of this? How, how do you like the three-game preseason? And do you think teams are still navigating sort of in conjunction with the joint team practices how to manage these first three preseason games? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, the fourth game was always the following Thursday, and it was generally worth Worthless. It was only used to determine maybe roster spot 53, maybe 52, if somebody somehow showed out at the very end. But as far as preparing for week one, week three, even in a four-week preseason, had always been your dress rehearsal. So what the 49ers did is they just chopped off week four, just like the NFL did with its schedule. And they're treating everything the same way that they would with a four-game preseason. And we're at that climax here in week three. Well, let's talk a little bit about what the, the dress rehearsal is going to mean this week and, and maybe who's got to step in for the 49ers. In light of some of these injuries, Kyle did say the other day uh, in his media session after the game against the Chargers that he was hoping to get a lot of the starters out there. We haven't seen a bunch of the defensive players. I saw a note, I can't remember if it was from you or from Matt Barrows, that said George Kittle's only played two preseason games in his entire career to this point. But in terms of the injuries from this past week, Maurice Hurst goes down with a little bit of an injury. What do you make of these injuries and how do they affect the 53-man, you think? in this last week well with the Maurice Hurst injury the 49ers are so insulated on the defensive line that this may actually help them avoid a log jam because entering the game against the Chargers the 49ers 11th and 12th defensive linemen were Contavious Street and Jordan Willis and the only reason I listed Jordan Willis that low is because he's going to be suspended for the six games uh, first six games of the season due to the performance enhancing drug uh, policy violations so Assuming the 49ers only take 10 defensive linemen, without any injuries, there would have been at least one on the outside looking in. And I thought that would have been Contavious Street a couple weeks ago. However, you do have to build in some attrition, and we saw that attrition happen when Maurice Hurst went down with a high ankle sprain. So now you have 10 deserving and capable guys, including Contavious Street, for that 53-man roster, but there's still a game to go and, and more attrition might still happen. So you never like to see the injuries happen, but I do think that the 49ers like Maurice Hurst. I do think that we can expect the roster maneuver to keep him eligible to play for them this season. And by that, I mean the 49ers can cut a veteran elsewhere on cut down day who they intend to keep and have kind of a wink-wink deal with him 
right? So that way you can fit Maurice Hurst and he he gets through on the 53-man roster and you can put him on short-term injured reserve so he can come back in a month or whenever he can come back. And then you re-sign that veteran who isn't exposed to waivers because he's a veteran the next day. And teams do that all the time around cut-down day to be able to build the roster that they want and send the guys they need to short-term IR because there's no way that you could have a guy come back from IR Uh, unless he's on your opening 53-man roster, that initial version of it. So I think that's what they do with the defensive line. When you talk about, you know, guys who are deserving or guys who are sort of the, I don't want to say obvious picks uh, of the 10 defensive linemen, do you include Zach Kerr in that? Because he had a comment after the game the other day where he's like, yeah, man, this is a really good unit here. I'm not sure everybody's going to make this team. There are still guys who are productive in the game that certainly won't make the team. Like Eddie Yarbrough was good. Darian Daniels has, has, has done good stuff for the 49ers. Shalik Calhoun had a sack in practice against the, the Chargers. So even those guys are firmly on the outside looking in. So I think Zach Kerr was talking about everybody, the, the collective room. But there's a core 12 there, you know, when you're counting everybody, including Hurst and Willis. There, there's a core 12 that are deserving of a 53-man roster spot on most teams in the NFL that wouldn't all fit on the 49ers defensive line. They're that deep. Uh, I absolutely include Kerr in the top 10. Uh, This was even before the Hurst injury. I mean, Kerr was one of the top 10 graded defensive tackles in all of football last season for the Carolina Panthers. It wasn't, you know, a 400, 500-snap guy, but I know in 200 to 300 snaps, he was a really good football player, He's explosive, he's strong, and he brings a personality to the line. I never questioned Kerr's ability to make the roster. The guy who I questioned at the start was Contavia Street just because of the injury history and the fact that he hasn't been able to put it all together yet. But so far in camp, he has. So I think that it might end up being a break for the 49ers collectively that they can fit a guy like Contavia Street on the roster when just a few days ago it looked like it'd be a tighter squeeze. I want to talk about a couple of the rookies here, uh, guys who have been sort of focal points over the last couple of weeks of the preseason. Let's start on the offensive line. Jalen Moore, who stepped in uh, over at left tackle. Trent Williams out uh, last week. Sean Coleman, obviously not there. I- I'm just wondering about where you think he's going to slot in. Is that going to be a position for him? Is he going to be the backup left tackle? Is he a guy that will slide over and play at guard? What do you think the future holds for him, and, and how well do you think he's played so far? Barring injury, Jalen Moore is your swing tackle for the 49ers leaving training camp. That That's clear right now. He played all... 33 pass protecting snaps. So he played the whole game against the Chargers at that left tackle spot. Uh, obviously, the, the starting job belongs to Trent Williams. But when the 49ers first drafted Jalen Moore, the thought was that this guy is going to play guard for them, even though he played tackle in college, because he's only 6'4, so he, he's not prototypical 6'7, 6'8 tackle size, right? But he's built, he's strong. Uh, th- that Western Michigan strength staff really did a great job with Jalen Moore. He, he's not coming out of college pudgy like a lot of these offensive linemen. So, I mean, he, he's ready to be versatile up front. He's impressed the 49ers so far. And because of the the needs uh, due to injuries and that tackle position has been really decimated, the 49ers have had to play him there. And I think he's proven that he's, that he's capable of delivering that swing tackle role. So he'll start at swing tackle. I think down the road, the 49ers are ideally suited with Aaron Banks grabbing that right guard spot. Obviously, that's not close to happening yet. He didn't look good in week one of the preseason, and he's he's hurt with a shoulder injury right now. But you draft a guy like Banks in the second round because you hope that he's going to be a starter sooner rather than later. And when that happens, Daniel Brunskill, who is the most versatile lineman in the entire 49ers room, he'll be able to plug in anywhere. And, and you could bet the 49ers will need him to plug in places. So 
Banks winning the starting right guard job, potentially, if, if that does happen according to the plan, doesn't necessarily mean that Brunskill's going to play less. I mean, there always seems to be a spot to plug up front, and that's why you like Daniel Brunskill, because he could play anywhere. Whereas, you know, these other new linemen, the 49ers are also looking at them from that angle. Jalen Moore is a guy that can play theoretically anywhere, and the 49ers want to get him ready for that. Colton McKivitz in his second year, same thing, guard or tackle. But Brunskill's already proven he could do it because he started at four of the five positions on the offensive line. So they want to free him up so that way they can attain their goal of having that adaptable line that, that goes seven or eight men deep. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Yeah, that's good. That's great. Great to have versatility on the line. If you have guys you can sort of plug and play all over the place, sounds like they're they're working in everybody, every place they can get them a couple of snaps or get them some work. In terms of a, a couple of the other rookies on the defensive side of the ball, Hufang is a guy who's just been standing out. And I feel like when he was drafted, people were talking about him as a guy who may be able to snatch a role on this roster, maybe even snatch a starter spot. Now, Jaquaski Tart still on the PUP list dealing with that uh, that toe. What's your outlook on Hufang? I mean, not just to take a spot, but potentially start at strong safety for the Niners. I don't think he's going to start week one. I think he's going to be a contributor, 100% special teams. If the 49ers need him to play, I think he's looking ready. I, I love the anticipation, but you know he's still a rookie, and you can probably count on a blown coverage or two, especially early on from a rookie, and those could change the course of, of a game. So there's a reason why the 49ers signed Tavon Wilson and why he's been exclusively with, with the first team whenever he's suited up so far for the 49ers. They're obviously also waiting for Jaquaski Tart to see when exactly he'll be back. And and then you have Ha Ha Clinton Dixon there. So those are all veteran safeties to complement Jimmy Ward. And I don't think that you go to a rookie early in his first season until you've expended all other options. That's nothing against Talanoa Hufanga, but that safety position is the last line of defense. And in a pass first league, you know, where one big play can change the course of a game between defeat and, and victory, you, you really have to be careful there. So you go with the more known, more stable commodity and Hufanga can continue to, to develop trust with the 49ers. He's done everything right so far. I mean, a guy who, only ran a 4-6 coming out of college, but he plays a lot faster than the 4-6 because he's got those anticipatory skills. He's not afraid to hit people. And you know what? He also knows how to blitz, and that that's important because as a strong safety in this scheme, D'Amico Ryans is playing it really aggressive this year. You can just tell from those Chargers practices. You could tell that the 49ers are going to bring some heat. That strong safety is going to be dancing around that box. He's going to be trying to get through that line of scrimmage, and, and Hufunga did a good job of that against the Chargers. You know, last week Kyle Shanahan said he he puts more into the the joint practices than he does into the games or the preseason games, I should say. As a writer, when you're out there looking at and that's a great I think observation by you to say it looks like based on these joint practices, D'Amico Ryan's going to be bringing the heat. What did you take away from those joint practices? What do you pick up on that that you don't pick up on in preseason game action? Obviously, different guys are out there. You're getting different looks and more looks at the first and second team. But but what was your takeaway from those joint practices? Offensively, the 49ers were able to get Trey Lance his first more extended action. And by that, I mean just a few plays. But first stretch of action with the first team offensive line or whoever was, was healthy and available from it because Trent Williams wasn't there against you know top-tier defensive players. In training camp, Jimmy Garoppolo worked against Fred Warner, Jason Verrett, Jimmy Ward. Trey Lance didn't have a chance to throw against those guys because they only took five snaps scattered throughout camp those are all read options behind the first team so uh, it was good to see Trey Lance run an actual drive because situationally it's going to be important for him to face uh, higher caliber competition on the defensive side of the ball and we know that the Chargers 
and Brandon Staley run a, a uniquely aggressive scheme, and they have some good players there. So it was a great way to get Trey Lance's feet wet. On the other side of the ball, we saw the 49ers start to display some more of that schematic aggressiveness that that D'Amico Ryans has, has been talking about. Um, they, they went after the Chargers, who, by the way, have a bad offensive line. Last season, they were terrible in pass protection. They should be better this year because they got Corey Lindsley, the center, all pro out of Green Bay. And there's a bit more talent up front, but they weren't starting their tackles against the 49ers in those practices. And that defensive line just abused San Diego. And I still call him San Diego because it, it, it sounds yeah, better. But yeah, yeah, yeah that, that defensive line just, just got after it. The 49ers looked really good in both practices and in the game. So that's what I took from it, that the 49ers are going to win up front. And on top of winning up front, they're not going to be afraid to bring the linebackers. Fred Warner blitzed a lot. Dre Greenlaw got a sack. It's going to be an aggressive defense. Robert Sala came from the, that Seattle tree, and Seattle that Seattle tree didn't like the blitz, you know, up until – now they do stuff differently. But the, the 2013 Seahawks, Legion of Boom teams, those guys didn't blitz all too much. And D'Amico Ryans doesn't come from that tree, right? D'Amico Ryans – uh, wants to bring the heat. And I think that we're going to see a lot of blitzing from the 49ers on top of some good pass rush this year. So uh, look out. They may, they may put up a lot of sacks this season. It's exciting, man. We spent so much time talking about the quarterback and who's going to be the starter that, you know, you almost forget two years ago that defensive line came out, put pressure on the opposition, and immediately it translated into interceptions. I think week one and week two out in Cincinnati and Tampa Bay a couple of years ago. And uh, I think they're looking for the same this year, create that same sort of pressure uh, and intensity in the backfield, get to the quarterback and put the pressure uh, on him to uh, to hit his receivers in stride. What, one more thought from you here. We do have to hit on the quarterbacks on the way out. I know no breaking news, nothing new here. Kyle Shanahan not tipping his hand. It does still feel like it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. I think a lot of people assume that. But how much do you think we'll see Trey Lance early on, man? Does it feel more like there's going to be packages drawn up for him? Kyle says we're going to see him play a little bit. You think we'll see him out there for a couple of, uh, I don't know, a couple of series or a couple of, of scenarios in the first couple of weeks? Or do you think it's strictly Jimmy Garoppolo and then we'll go from there? I've thought it was going to be Trey Lance playing right away from the night of the draft. <laughs> I, I really did. Right. Yeah, I mean, especially in the red zone. I think you're going to see a lot of Trey Lance in the red zone. How, how could you not use that skill set? Uh, Trey Lance's biggest weakness right now is sailing passes. Uh, he's he's a little excited with some of these throws. And in the red zone, the downside is that it flies out of the back of the end zone, right? In the middle of the field, it goes to the center field safety, and, and, and that becomes a bigger issue. And obviously, there's a whole lot more situational stuff, much larger tree of possibilities when you're taking every single snap moving down the field which is why Garoppolo was better than Trey Lance like by a big margin in the move the ball periods during training camp Garoppolo completed like 70% of his passes and Lance was like at 48% so that's where you saw the big gap but Lance was I thought clearly the 49ers best quarterback in the red zone during training camp now he was playing against a second team defense so I don't just think the 49ers are going to cross the 20-yard line and, and all of a sudden change quarterbacks, but I think that you're going to see most of the situational work early for Lance come near the end zone for all the, the reasons that I just listed. I think that Kyle Shanahan is playing this analytically. I mean, we've seen analytics take over baseball. We've seen them take over basketball. I think Kyle Shanahan is trying to make that – trend carry over to how you call an offensive game plan in football you're already mixing and matching your best receivers running backs and tight ends to to generate the best matchup why not mix and match your quarterbacks in a way to generate the best matchup and that's why Kyle has gotten a little frustrated I think trying to explain his plan because 
throughout the history of football, the media, the fans, everybody has always viewed the quarterback decision as a binary one. It's either this guy or that guy, and that's it. Anything else is kind of a gadget. And I think that Kyle is really not looking at it in a binary way. I think that he's looking at this for the short term as a way that he can leverage the good of Trey Lance and maximize the potential of a boom based on down and distance and minimize the bust. Because right now, Trey Lance is a high variance player, right? So he wants to harness the good and ease him out of the bad as he integrates him full time into the 49ers lineup. David, I think that's a great explanation you just gave for anybody who's a baseball fan or anybody who's a basketball fan. Look at how you know Gabe Kapler is bringing up a right-handed hitter in Donovan Solano to face a left-handed pitcher just because he's going to hit lefties. That's the matchup you're looking for. It's interesting to think about it in terms of Kyle Shanahan play calling or situational play calling for this year, but you're right. You may be taking two quarterbacks and sort of Frankensteining a, a quarterback together based on the situation, but uh, should be a lot of fun, man. Looking forward to the final preseason game this weekend. Appreciate the time as always, David. We'll catch up with you uh, once the season gets it's going, man. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Great stuff from David Lombardi. Yeah, really good breakdown. And, he, and I think he's right. Kyle's been talking about this stuff for a couple of weeks, which is just nothing we've ever seen before. And Kyle coming, obviously, off of the Mike Shanahan tree of coaching. It seems like this is something totally original, totally brand new. I don't know that you're just going to see Jimmy Garoppolo between the 20s. But if we do see a package this weekend or in the coming weeks where they start to bring Trey Lance out for goal line plays or maybe a little RPO action up near the goal line or in scoring position in the red zone, could be really, really interesting stuff. Things that we've never seen and maybe Kyle Shanahan with the brilliant offensive play calling mind that he has could be the right guy to do it. Thank you to David. Thank you to Brian. Thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. On Friday, we'll continue our look at the 2021 NFC West, this time with a scope into the Arizona Cardinals. Darren Urban, who's been covering the Cardinals for over 20 years out in Arizona, he joins us on Friday talking Arizona Cardinal football. Just one more preseason game left before the start of the 2021 campaign. Everybody enjoy the week. We'll talk to you Friday.